You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. All right, Pete the Vet is here. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jacqueline. Uh, Pete is from Brave Vet and Old Connor, and you can read Pete in uh, things like the Wicklow People and uh, the Daily Telegraph and see him on telly on TV3. You're very welcome, Pete. Good morning. And uh, before we get down to talk about other matters, let's uh, do a question here that came in yesterday uh, for you. Hi, Dutton, can you ask Pete the Vet, why is my eight-month-old pet, Westie, still peeing in her bed, please? As a result, she's now got a rash under her belly. Thank you. Peeing in your own bed? I thought they didn't do that sort of stuff. Dogs don't normally do that. I have to say, with the recent weather we've had, um, I've had a lot of people contacting me saying they've had difficulties house training their dogs because dogs don't like going out in the cold and wet and wind and so they're more likely to decide that the better option is just to piddle indoors and, you know, uh, it makes it much more hard to, to actually persuade them that that's not a good thing to do. Be- different in the summertime where it's quite pleasant outside and they'll be, they'll, they'll be very happy running around in the sunshine and, and so on. So... First of all, yes, this time of year, it's a challenge to house train some dogs. Um, what she describes, though, doesn't quite sound like a house training type problem. It sounds like the dog is actually wetting its bed. You know, it's not just piddling in the house, it's wetting its own bed, which is very unusual, and it makes you think that there may be some underlying medical issue with the dog. In particular, young dogs sometimes are born with... Um, urinary systems that don't quite connect up properly or sphincters that don't quite work and they can end up dribbling small amounts of urine which may not be noticeable when they're walking around but when they're lying in their bed let's say overnight then the little drips of urine accumulate and the bed gets quite wet and where it's in contact with the dog then it does cause a skin rash so a case like that I think she should go to a vet and have it checked out to make sure that that's not going on Really, that there yeah. could be something. There could be something wrong, that could, and it could be treated. Um, like so I it's said, not just, uh, just has, hasn't learned yet. It doesn't sound like it. If it hadn't learned yet, it'd be leaving piddles on, puddles on the floor um, in different places. It wouldn't be wetting its own bed. Dogs don't generally wet their own beds consciously. That's just, they kind of know that that's not to be done. Right, because yeah. they don't like it. But yeah, yeah. The dogs don't want to get wet anymore. Yeah. than we do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you would say this is just not an easy sort. It's something mm. to definitely have somebody have a look at. It needs to be, yeah, urinary infections, congenital issues. There's lots of possibilities there, but it's, it, you know, it, it's certainly worth investigating. All right. Oh, there's one thing I forgot to do, and I'm being berated here on text about it, and it is give, give the final call out to uh, the campus uh, low-cost home heating oil competition. Means mind bender. Mind bender. My apologies. Here we go. Just in case you haven't heard it, um, we are doing the voice of Ireland. One of the new judges is Rachel Stevens. We're just wondering in which band was she, in which band was Rachel Stevens before she was in the voice of Ireland. And uh, if you are right, you will be in the draw for 250 litres of low cost home heating oil from Campus Oil. And uh, send in your answer with your name and location to 087 77 11 103. It's the final call. Uh, we'll leave the lines open for another 10 minutes and Claire will pick the winner for today. Now, Pete, you've been reading something about what's going on in France. Yes, there's an interesting court case happening, and it's all around foie gras. Now, um, what is foie gras, you might say, first of all? Well, foie gras is basically, it means fatty liver, and it's, it's, it's the, the, the mushed-up liver of geese um, that have been force-fed 
really high quantities of corn in order to make their liver artificially fat. And um, it's, a, it's a, known as a sort of gastronomic delicacy, although a lot of people think it's just a bit fatty and too rich for them. People who, are, if you like, um, people who see themselves as being, you know, maybe high-class diners who have an exquisite palate, this is appreciated as a, you know, a luxury of life and to be cherished. Um, on the other hand, people who are concerned about animal welfare um, say, well, look, these birds are being force-fed. They're not just eating this food voluntarily. They're literally, uh, a funnel is placed over their throat, their head is held up, and food is poured in. They're grossly overfed, and what that causes is it causes their liver to be flooded with liver, with, with fat, which um, is what creates the unique taste. Anyway, so over many years, there's been controversy over foie gras, um, but this is the first time um, a producer of foie gras has been taken to court um, accused of animal cruelty. So it's kind of a bit of a landmark case and that's happening right now in Western France. Um, animal cruelty, that's just mm -hmm. one, say, producer of this. But, I mean, mm. it's an industry, isn't it? But that's the interesting thing. Um, you're right, it's a huge industry in the south of France and um, the this court case is... How it started was there was some undercover f filming um, by an animal rights group who somehow sneaked in there or got a camera in there and they took some footage of people being... Or, or, of the condition that the ducks were, and geese were kept in. Now, the thing is that um, the accusation is more about the specific incidents. What they, what they found were things like ducks covered in filth, confined to individual feeding cages. Some of them had open wounds, others had abscesses and were clearly shaking with distress. And there were several um, dead birds along the production line. So they're actually, the accusation is more about the specific conditions in which these geese were kept in. Rather than the broad principle of what's called gavage, which is the the force feeding of the birds. But of course it's been used um, because it's about foie gras and because gavage, this force feeding is part of what's under discussion it's been used by people who, who have been anti-foie gras for many years as a, if you like, a, a test case for... But, but, but this goes on all the time doesn't it? There aren't certain deer um, just fed milk uh, so that the, the meat is whiter? Aren't lobsters lashed into uh, boiling yeah. water? I mean, these, these the are food industry is uh, not yeah. very nice to animals, is it? I mean, yeah. some religious practices and cultural practices internationally are not very kind to animals in slaughter either, are they? But those who are concerned about animal welfare would be hoping that all these issues are gradually being dealt with and that our society has increasingly become a more animal welfare conscious society. And so there'd be many people who would be delighted if if, if foie gras was... was gradually phased out. Um, I mean, it is possible to produce so-called ethical foie gras. Um, there's a producer in Spain, uh, and the French hate this, by the way, because it's in Spain. Um, <laughs> and what he does is he, he basically worked out that um, local birds naturally gorged on um, the autumn uh, harvest and they naturally developed uh, a fatty liver. And so he, so he found by encouraging that to happen amongst his free-range birds, he was able to, to when, he, when he slaughtered the birds around Christmas time, he found their livers were naturally very, very fatty. So he's now, he's now marketing this as, as, if you like, ethical foie gras. Um, so that's, that's a possibility for those who can't imagine life without foie gras.
Um, Thank you very much indeed, <laughs> Pete Weatherburn. All right then. Well, I watch that. Don't see say what happens. Myself, Interesting yeah. one. All right, uh, you, and you couldn't have that considering when you, you know, <laughs> tell us how it's actually made. You know, uh, Pete Weatherburn, our vet. You can hear this broadcast again on Pete's website, which is petethevet.com, and all Pete's uh, thoughts about animals and uh, advice is on there as well. Thanks very much indeed, Pete.